Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology. We learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to encourage you to be true to yourself. I'll also be interviewing psychologist Rosie Kuhn, who shares her personal story of being true to herself, regardless of the expectations others had for her. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on this same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me on iHeartRadio, as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Being true to yourself. When we grow up, we have many people who have expectations for us. Often our parents will dream with us and tell us they see us as being a doctor or a professor or maybe even the president. But as we get older, our personality develops and our interests may change. Sometimes when those well-meaning people who have wonderful expectations for you don't understand the direction you're going, they often may not support you the way you'd like to be supported. And by no means does that mean that these people are not healthy for you. It just simply means they don't understand the direction that you're going. Being true to yourself is really more of a manifestation of knowing who you are. I know many people who they often will say, I speak my mind. It doesn't matter what people say or do. I'm going to tell them this, or I'm going to tell them that. And when that's said, sometimes it comes across as if they're not really understanding why they're being reactive. And there's nothing wrong with speaking your mind, but when it's done in a way where you don't understand why you're doing it and you're simply being reactive, well, that's not really self-introspection. The only way to be true to yourself is to spend time with yourself. And what I mean by that is this, when you're in a relationship with someone or maybe even your best friend, you're going to spend a lot of time with them. You're going to get to know them. You're going to understand the nuances of maybe their mood or maybe their thoughts. And sometimes you can just even look at that person and know exactly what they're thinking or what they're going to do. That's the same type of thing we need to have within ourselves. The only way you can be true to yourself is if you truly understand the person that you are. It's so important to understand the motivation for why we do certain things. Spending time with yourself, either through meditation or through prayer, or sometimes even talking to yourself, you'll understand the nuances of who you are. The wonderful expectations that many well-meaning people have for us are beautiful and very benevolent, but it doesn't mean it's healthy for us. One of my really good friends always likes to say, think about when you're on an airplane. The flight attendants always say, put on your mask before you can help anybody else. And that's really what this lesson is about. You can't help anybody else. or You can't go down the path that everybody else wants you to go on if you don't yet put that mask on for yourself. Putting that mask on for yourself essentially means you're aware of what you're doing. You understand why you're doing this. And it gives you so many choices and options because when you're aware of the specifics of how you're acting right this second, it helps you understand what choices you have. Often we go on autopilot and we just simply respond to everybody else but we don't really understand why we did it. So the whole lesson is simply being aware of the specifics of how you feel right this second, why you're doing what you're doing, and is that what's healthy for you? Sometimes the world may say we have to do the right thing, but they often forget that that's not necessarily the healthiest thing. The healthiest thing always trumps what's considered right by the world because going back to that statement about the oxygen mask, you have to do what's healthy for you before you can do the right thing. 
So today, I would really ask you, how often do you spend time with yourself? How often do you get to know yourself, to know how you'll react in all situations, in all different moods, and be proud of the person you are? Because the more time you spend getting to know yourself, the more easily it will be to follow the healthiest path for you. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. (laughs) We've all experienced those times when nothing seems to go right. This class will specifically train you how to process the event, regroup, and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. Enroll in the class today. My guest today is Dr. Rosie Kuhn. She has an inspirational story full of life lessons that I'm confident will inspire you today. Welcome to my show, Rosie. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. You have a very interesting life that I'm really looking forward to hearing the life lessons that you've learned and what you're going to share with my listeners today. You made a lot of choices that were different than perhaps what the people in your life wanted you to make. So I think it's really going to be a relevant topic as you share your life and how it makes sense of how you became the healthiest version of you. Well, this is going to take 23 minutes, (laughs) but I'll I'll see if I can get it down much quicker. So I grew up in an alcoholic family in Detroit, outside Detroit, nine kids, Catholic, all that kind of stuff. Never felt like I fit in. Um, Always questioned reality, didn't know what was true. And just the best I could hope for was to get married, have kids and get out and uh, start start fresh. and I'll come back to that in a second, sure. got married, had two children, um, was unhappy in the marriage because I was trying to make it normal. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm, I'm seeing that normal is who I am, but my own normal, not trying to fit into somebody else's normal. Um, so when I was 26, I'd been married six years and I was really unhappy. And, uh, even though I had two amazing children and I loved them more than anything else in the world, mm-hmm. it made sense for me to to, to divorce, number one, and number two, because of his ability to have security and stability and financial everything, they were best. their best interest would be to stay with their dad and that I would get my degrees, I would get some stability, and then they would come and live with me. That was the plan. Wow. And there, there's so many yeah. things there that we definitely want, want to... Uh, to discuss. Uh, let, let me back up for a second. So for you, sure. um, growing up in a very Catholic, big family, you, um, and I'm going to totally stereotype here, which does not mean that's how everybody is, but often there are different belief systems in, in a culture. So if there's a Catholic culture or a religious culture, if you will, or just even any family itself says, these are the rules that are set for you. Yes. These are the expectations that we would like for you to to fulfill. And then, so there's, can sometimes be a lot of pressure for people if they kind of feel like they're an outlier. And then all of a sudden you add in perhaps the, the aspect of the alcoholism. And so all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my God, that's so much. I don't know what to do. I don't really fit in here. This doesn't make sense for me. And as you grow up, it's almost like a sense of uh, like you're treading water, if you will. These are my words of what am I supposed to do? What's supposed to happen? And and after a while, you're just like, this is too much. It's too much. I just got to go. Yep. 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 All that. <laughs> Nicely. <Yes. placed. laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so when that, so you're, so you're, you said you're 26 years old, you're married and you finally realize it's time for a divorce. Uh, you know, going with those expectations of being married, these, these are what everybody expects of you. And then to realize one day that it's not fitting for you for whatever reason, your, your relationship, you felt like it was time for a divorce. How were you able to kind of navigate between what was expected versus what the reality was in that situation? Well, that's a really great question, Um, because uh, even in the first year of marriage, it was like, I got to get out of here. 
and um, this is not not good for me. And um, and it wasn't there was nothing wrong in terms of there was no abuse. There was just in a sense neglect. There was an inability for both of us, mm-hmm. if you will, to communicate and to know each other. We were so young. I was 20 when I got married. Um, and so but every year I, in a sense, made an attempt to leave. And um, and because it's like, you know, you don't do that. You know, you wait or you don't get married. You don't get divorced. And so I just it, it, it took me six years and in a sense, six attempts to get out before it stuck, before I was able to really just not be able not. I couldn't go back in a sense. And I that even though I was healthy, I felt like if I stayed, it would be really detrimental to my health. I don't know why I know that, but it was just like I'd die if I'd end up staying. Well, I think that's so. I think that's an incredibly powerful response because going back to your family system or your family of origin, which says, uh-huh. um, and, and once again, I'm I'm totally stereotyping here, but in, in the Catholic faith, you cannot get divorced, and so you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're married, and you felt like it was wrong for you. So if you were kind of had that internal struggle, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm supposed to do this. What my faith says, what my family expects of me, um, this doesn't feel right for me. Uh, but I'm going to do my best, you know, for six years, and finally, you said enough is enough to really break that familial expectation and the family cycle of the expectation that that had to been such i'm sure on this side of it one of the most powerful decisions you've made to become who you are today yes and also because i chose to leave my children with their dad that also broke huge stereotypes Mm -hmm. and uh broke the relationship whatever i didn't have a great relationship in the beginning with my my parents especially, but um, with everybody, but they just turned their backs on me rather than going, wow, that is like a heroic uh, thing to do to, to, to choose in the, in the best interest of your children rather than most parents and most women. I believe this is true that uh, most women say, no, they're mine. Mm-hmm. And, and it's for me that I need, I need to have the kids as opposed to what's in the best interest of the children. Sure. So I, I actually ended up doing a, a master's, in marriage and family therapy, I was a therapist for for a while. Um, but my my master's uh, thesis was on um, women who give up children. Oh, um, interesting. And um, at that time, and that was in the eighties, it was there was no books. Mm-hmm. There was like one book on the subject, yeah. so um, there wasn't a lot out there. But it certainly gave me an ability and opportunity to question my reality and, and those choices that I made at the time. Yeah. Um, and I still, I still think it was an, an, an enormous huge thing to do that and break taboo, you know, break taboo. Uh, I wrote a book called uh, The Unholy Path of a Reluctant Adventurer. And it's basically start, it's the whole, my whole life up till a few years ago. And like, how did I make that decision? I'm just a normal person, like a normal person who is supposed to live a normal, I'll say constrained, conservative Mm -hmm. life. With full of expectations, sure. How could I, that individual, make that choice? That was like that was in a sense that the intention of mm-hmm. the book is to do that. And then at, at, when I when I got to the point where I made that choice, then in a sense, the unfolding that occurred because of making that choice. So becoming a marriage and family therapist, um, I moved out to Nova Scotia where I worked in recovery, didn't know anything about recovery in a sense and didn't know that I was a, in a codependent and a, a child of alcoholics and all sure. of the kinds of things that I needed to recover from. And I moved out there partly because I really love to be immersed in nature. And I wanted that for my kids when, when at some point they would come live with me. Um, so I created a home out there for us and, um, and learned so much about spirituality 
because I was working with people who were having to work the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. They were having to work to, to realize their greater self. And that turned me around and it turned my relationship even with my work around from being um, a therapist to wanting to find some way to integrate spirituality with therapy. Because there isn't that. You're right. There is more so now. And that's led me towards transpersonal psychology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, the whole thing with, with you, I, I guess I just want to jump back real fast. Because historically, when it sure, comes sure. to the court system, the court will... Well, more than likely, 80% of the time, these very rough uh, statistics, sure. but will always give the custody to the parent or to the, um, to the mother. And so with that, you know, you, you love your kids, they're, they're your world, but having that recognition of, I may not be able to provide the stability financially, um, and wh- whatever it might be, but doesn't obviously yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with your ability to be an amazing mother, but just to simply the logistical aspects of that. When yeah. you were sitting there with that, you know, and you're telling your daughters, um, or you're telling your children about this, how is it for you to sit there and say, I'm going to hold on to this most difficult decision I've ever made of giving up custody of my children? And perhaps they didn't understand the difference between doing what was, quote unquote, the responsible thing versus what is my maternal instincts. Yes. Well, they were very young. I mean, we're talking, my daughter was three mm, and my son oh, was 14 months. So oh, really there's no way they would young. obviously be able to talk no, about that. No. And, um, and who they are, they're now um, 40-ish. And uh, my daughter's worked through a lot of it. There are times where she just hated me. I, bet. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, I was, cons- I was in their life consistently. I never like disappeared. Um, but t- like living in Nova Scotia, they were in Ontario. Um that, you know, I wouldn't see them for long periods of time, but I would be in contact with them every week, at least in terms of phones and stuff. But it still, it, it still affected them the way it affected them. My my son right now doesn't, hasn't talked to me for about three years. Mm. We were pretty close for a while, but then it, it, for whatever reason, in terms of when we process what we process mm-hmm. our life, he's in that place where he has doesn't want anything to do with me because I made that choice. Sure. But it's 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 like from us from that higher perspective from that spiritual or transpersonal perspective i i'm so grateful that i can say i i mean it still hurts like hell it still just shatters my sense of (laughs) being a mother right um but at the same time it's it's i know that i did the right thing Mm -hmm. and i know that that each of us has our spiritual lessons to learn. We have our, our human lessons and our spiritual lessons and he would, he needs, he needs to do what he needs to do. So I need to give him room and space to do that. And, you know, on on one level, you know, I just, I really hated my mother and, and I never had, I had never had the courage to say, I don't want anything to do with you. And so I see my son as courageous in terms of saying, I don't want anything to do. It's like, Hey, I respect that. And, and thank you for being at least not, I mean, I just kept trying to manipulate and try to get her love or trying to get her to mm-hmm. like me or appreciate. And, and he's not doing that. He's just going straight for, Hey, I'm not, I'm not into this at all. Yeah. Whoever you are, I don't want to, I don't want to know you right yeah. now. For now. And, exactly. Uh, for now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, the challenging thing for humans is that we, we forget that we have this, this spiritual, uh, uh, we, we've come to, in a sense, Earth University to learn mm-hmm. stuff, not to be happy and have, you know, be a loving mother. I, I have to be a loving mother the way that I'm being a loving mother, not not some other way. And I not the expectation, sure, that that's was right. uh-huh, the society. And, and, to, and to love and honor my children and say, I'm, I'm doing the best I can 
given who I am and given my my own culture and my own training to be who I am, this is the best I can do. Yeah. And um, and it's it's been really challenging. One of the I just want to bring this in, James, because I think it's really important. Sure. Um, one of the things I when I was doing my thesis, I found that most women who give up gave up their children. At least this was in the 80s. They ended up, um, you know, uh, suiciding, mental health mm. issues, and and uh, alcoholism. Um, and I, I didn't necessarily do all that stuff. I did other stuff. But I was in denial for 10 years of my own emotional uh, process, my own grief, and until um, a fellow I was training with, he is a psychologist, and, and I said, I'm, I'm kind of having some issues here. <laughs> and he said, Rosie, if you walked in front of a bus for your children, people would call you a hero. And he said, you walked in front of a bus, you know, to protect mm-hmm. your children. But nobody will see that yeah. as what it is. So when he said that, I got it. And yes. that's when I really started my my true healing process around that, rather than just ignoring it, you know, ignoring the emotional sure. need. Well, it's a reframe of what is healthy, not what is that's- expected, but it's what's healthy on a fundamental level, whether society or whether people in general understand it or not. We are all true to ourselves based off of the the work and the awareness and the finding that stillness to simply say what is true and what is not. And I think sometimes it comes to that really foundational piece of what is truth and what is not my truth. My truth is X, Y, and Z, regardless of how the world, regardless of how my children, regardless of what anybody may think or say about me. And that is, I think is a place that really comes from whether we understand it at the time or not, I mean, it takes years to understand it, but when we can truly find that authentic self and really create the, the true version of self-responsibility, self-peace, self, um, self-awareness, that's when we are going to go into the grain, go against the grain. That's when people just that's aren't right. going to get us. And the sad <laughs> thing right. is they may never get us, but we don't have to justify what we've done as much as we want them to understand. But in doing that, then we lose our truth. We lose our stillness. We lose our peace. That's right. That's right. And one of the, I think for me, the <clears throat> fundamental um, place that we're we're attempting to approach is dignity, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it's like it's a word that always resonates with like a pure essence of self and self honoring and self respect, and 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 we we, we um, diminish that so much for for again that sense of normal for that sense of fitting in for the sense of what I'm supposed to be versus who I am. Yeah, exactly. And um, so it's uh, dignity is. You know, I I really want everyone to live in that sense of dignity mm-hmm. and make choices based on that self honoring yes. process. It's hard work. It's, it's very hard work. You know, one thing yeah. it makes me think I, it's a slightly different version of this, but it goes with the same understanding of what dignity is. You know, one thing I really teach with my patients is essentially setting those because we always talk about setting boundaries with the people around us, and that's very healthy. Boundaries keep us safe. Boundaries create parameters around our life, which causes. Um, it helps people understand, well, this is okay for this person. This is not okay. But what we often don't do is we don't set those personal boundaries within ourselves. So I can have that's James, right. the, the person who loves chocolate. And those people who know me on a personal note know that that's, <laughs> that's a struggle. So James, James, the person who has chocolate. Um, if my, my overall self will be like, James, you need to put that chocolate down. You need to set these limits for yourself. This is not a healthy thing. I'm saying something in a flippant way, but it's true. You know, in, any, in anything we do, when we don't set those personal limits within ourselves, 
we often will have consequences later that we're like, oh, I don't understand what's going on. Well, the reality is you didn't set personal boundaries for yourself to find what is the dignity. For me, my dignity is my spirit, my body need to all work together and be on the same level because that's yeah. how I'm personally going to develop and grow and get to the next level of whatever that may be as, as it unfolds in front of my life. But if I don't set those limits as far as my um, and people with whom I associate or the words that I say or the thoughts that I allow into my mind, I'm not creating a boundary or a sense of self and self-purpose and self-awareness and being productive and, and proactive rather, because if I don't do that, then there's going to be so many blind spots in my life that I will never truly reach that level of self-dignity or self-awareness or self-respect yeah. because I don't set those limits. So that's why, that's you know, right. I always tell people it's, it's so important to, if you feel if, at the end of the day, if you don't like what you're doing, then stop. And the, yeah. the first part of it is, if you know, historically you struggle with this, well, create a framework beforehand so you don't do it, you know? And so I think yeah. for you, you had this, this for, or however it came about, but you you knew for yourself that uh, you maybe didn't have the words for it, but maybe you understood what dignity meant later, but you understood it at that time. And then you kind of filled in the blank with how you came to it and how it came about. That's right. I mean, and that's, that's sort of, like I said, the, the book that I wrote was in my sixties mm-hmm. when I, I think I was 50, 60 something anyway, when I wrote the book on um, the unholy path, uh, because it took me that long in a sense to be able to find the words or have the languaging or enough enough human experiences to articulate it in a way that made sense. Um, But what in what coming back to what you're saying in terms of um, creating those boundaries, it's like we create those boundaries in service to what we want. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know what we want and you could say, well, I don't I want to maintain my health, but it's like you want to maintain your health in service to what? And and well, I you know, I want to be attractive and I want to be buoyant and lively and it's like in service to what exactly and to what end when you mm-hmm. to what end and and if you don't have an end that is worthy of your um giving up chocolate you're not going to do mm-hmm. it yeah and and that's what most of us most of us don't give ourselves that opportunity to do that discerning work of going what is important enough to me that i'm willing to to put up boundaries so that i don't have to deal with this anymore it's whether it's true. the internal conversations and i'm you know i struggle with that all the time as everyone does how do i train myself to to shift those conversations in my head and that shifts what shows up in my life you know the quality of people that are in my life now is so different Mm -hmm. than the quality of people because the quality of conversation between my ears is so much more (laughs) loving and kind and respectful and honoring to say what's true inside and not just well, you should, or you should have, or, you know, maybe I should have, or whatever. It's like, no, here's what is, as I call it, the isness of is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, that's and so it's, true. It's, it's a, it's a big practice and, yeah. and it's, it's people go, but it's hard or it's uncomfortable. It's like, yes, it is hard and uncomfortable, but in alignment to whatever it is that you're wanting it's worth it. Yeah. Well, you think about just a bank account, success in its, or uh, money itself. If you, put, if you put money into an account, then you can withdraw uh-huh. it. It's the same type of thing when it comes to strength and, and interpersonal awareness and, and health and spirituality. You can't withdraw from a bank account if you've not put anything in it. So in order for you to reach, not you, but whomever to reach the next yeah. level, 
you have to do that hard work. You know, you think of exercise, right. the only way your muscles are going to grow is if, if you, um, when you work out, it slightly tears the muscle fibers, which then when it heals, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the only way it does. That's why they say no pain, no gain. Right. <laughs> it yeah. literally yeah. means yeah. you should have some mu- slight muscle tears. I don't mean like real muscle tears, but just that's how your muscles grow is based it's off of the, yeah. the addition, exactly, the stretching component of it. And that's one of the most important things. So life is a beautiful tapestry, beautiful daily moment by moment time of reflection of lessons of integration, of seeing what works, what doesn't work. And it just simply comes back to honoring yourself and have that dignity to be like, I screwed up today, but you know what? I learned a lot. And you know, I really like the strength and and what I learned about that. Yeah. And one of the other things I want to bring in too, James, is that it's like when people are looking at how they make decisions, it's like, okay, well, Rosie, did it work out? Did it work out great? Knowing that your, your, uh, your son doesn't want to talk to you anymore. It's like, my son may not have wanted to talk to me. I mean, my I, my parents stayed together and all that. I didn't want to talk to my mm-hmm. father. Um, and it's like the relationship is what it is. And the more authentic each of us get to be. But the point is, is we can't we can't control the outcome. You know, it's like, OK, I'm going to leave my kids in custody. And my intention is that they're going to come live with me mm-hmm. in a year or two or three. They never did. And but you don't know that. But you don't know. You don't know the inevitable outcome of of the choices. All you can do is live in the intention, the true, truest sense of truth for yourself, like you're saying, and be with the outcome and the consequences, because that's what stretches you. That's what expands your ability to be in life in a way that's um, far more fulfilling and enriching even though it may be more difficult. Yes, And the steps that we make along the way when we slow down and find that reflection, that's what then helps us say, okay, I'm going in the direction that I originally had intended. I don't know maybe what the end result is, but I feel right. like I, my, my sense of my spirit, sense of spirituality, my sense of self, my sense of, of whatever is really feels that this is the right healthy thing. You know, one of the things I've heard yeah. many people say is, you know, you can drive across country, let's say from LA to New York, at night, and your headlights will only go a certain amount, you know, maybe 100 feet, 200 feet yeah. in front of you. And, but you know you're eventually going to get there. You don't maybe know what the road looks like, but your, your end result is, I'm going to go to New York from L.A. So I don't know yeah. how it's going to happen. I don't know the roads ahead. I don't know that, you know, the random sign that says falling rocks. I don't know anything about that. But what I do know is that I'm on the right path. And as long as I stay on that road in, for those 200 feet as I'm moving forward... Yes then I'm yes. going to get there. And I think so many times yes. we're like, oh, I have to know the outcome. I have to know this. I have to know yes. that. But if we knew that, well, first off, there's no sense of faith there. There's no sense of self-awareness or being able to take yes. responsibility for each of our decisions because with, if we already have the outcome, well, that's not growth at all. You know, strength, right. strength without weakness is not strength at all. You simply were given yeah. something and you'll never understand the journey along the way. And that's, you know, I, yeah. I know it's a cliche, but that's really the truth of what it is, yeah. is the journey when I was in my forties, I uh, crossed the Atlantic ocean on a 93 foot schooner with six other people. And I was, I was sure I I was going to die. And I've written about this too. I I was sure I was going to die, but I just, you know, went anyway. (laughs) It's like, okay, other people have not died. Maybe I won't, but I was sure I was going to, but Uh like you're saying, I, I, the idea of being in the midst of the ocean where there's nothing, you know, talk about lights, you know, lights on a car. There was nothing. So all I could do was imagine that that land was just on the other side of that horizon. And that mm. kept me in that state of faith and the state of mom- in this moment, I can face this next 40 miles or whatever. 
And, yes. and it was yes. scary. I was scared. I was scared. But I, I mean, in, in the end, on that trip, I had an amazing transformational experience that shifted everything. That's what eventually, That's eventually took me to uh, into my PhD in transpersonal psychology was that trip. But I had to take the trip. I had to be on the boat in the middle of the ocean in order to have that experience, like you're saying. And you never know. You just never know. And you just have to be in, in the courage and in the faith in, of this moment. That's that's all there is sometimes. And that's all that yeah. matters right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, Rosie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking Thanks, with thanks. you today. I mean, there's so many things we more we could have discussed. Where would my listeners find out more information about you? Should they look you up online? Well, uh, the easiest thing is just to Google me, Rosie K- K-U-H-N, and I'll come up pages and pages. Uh, my my website is called the paradigm shifts with the s.com the paradigm shifts.com and they can find blogs and videos and they can find uh, my books there as well as on Amazon. Wonderful. Well, Rosie, once again, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. I had an absolute oh, pleasure talking so with you today. <laughs> Thanks, James. Good talking to you too. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.